this week on Deep Night, Loretta is just kind of standing there, you know, with that sour expression of resignation, hands at her sides. (laughs) Not quite making a fish, but it's close. (laughs) There is tension there. You get the sense that there always is. Oh, friends, hello. It's me, Dale Seaver, and I am your host, but here in the deep night I can be whatever you need me to be. Your slowly dropping ball, that pile of needles that once held life and promise that you need to sweep up. (laughs) Yes, anything can happen here in the deep night, and I'm so pleased that you've decided to join me once again. Welcome to this fresh hour of regrets and revelations as we bring you the first show of 2017, which comes to you, as it always does, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. The Guani glistens in anticipation of another go-round the sun. For many of us, 2016 wasn't a totally great year, was it? I, on the other hand, had a pretty good time of it. (laughs) But I know some people are sad. I'm just not one of those people. So my thoughts are with you, but also, yay for me. I spent the holidays, as I often do, on the road. I had a few gigs in the sister states of Pennsylvania and Ohio, and Glinda had a few healing workshops she wanted to conduct in those places, so we made a road trip out of it, her and I, out on the open highway, just like it used to be for me and my ex-wife, Ginny, when we'd go entertain seniors and incontinent pets across the country. I gather Glinda had made some friends during Goddess Con out in San Diego. It's impossible not to sit on the floor of a hotel conference room exchanging earth energy and passing around sacred mud daggers while dining on wheatgrass shots and making a third trip to the omelet station at the Endless Breakfast Buffet without making lifelong friends. Friends who were no doubt intrigued by her spur-of-the-moment marriage to a handsome (laughs) man-beast. And those whose very chakras were so in alignment that one person claims to have built an entire addition onto her home, using just her body as both straight edge and level. No pencils roll in that house. You know what I'm saying? When you put a pencil down sometimes on a table, it just (laughs) rolls right away. So we set off. Our car packed with shiny stones that I had polished and reckoning cloaks and colorful pillows with tassels of gold and an array of Tibetan song chalices. Every bump we hit on the BQE filled us with calm. I should have wrapped those in a paper towel or something. Galinda and I made frequent stops on account of my aging bladder and a big gulp full of turmeric smoothie and the many workshops that Galinda was running with her friends. Every place we stopped was more magnificent than the last. I think this healing business has definite appeal to older white women of some means, and they all gave Galinda such beautiful presents in appreciation of her teaching. We left one place with a brand-new 4K television set. Another gave us a paper bag full of jewels, and one handed over a Vera Bradley bag stuffed with cash. Galinda was so eager to get on with the good work that she's doing. Many times we didn't even stay the night. She'd rouse me and tell me to get the car started, and off we'd go into the middle of the night, often at great speeds to avoid what Galinda called awkward tantric goodbyes. I get it. I was just happy to spend so much time together. We have such great conversations in the car. It seems like many people were concerned with death in 2016. I'll even admit that I was, too, at the start of the year, making my show about grief and loss, albeit in a comical way that's still fun to listen to on the subway. But we did lose 
many celebrities this past year, and when famous people die, those are the ones we feel the most, aren't they? Many celebrities die every year. I'd say a quarter of them, probably. The difference being that we had actually paid attention to the ones that died this year. One gets the sense that death in 2016 must be about our age. And his teenage bedroom was filled with posters just like ours of George Michael and Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. I had both, and Prince and David Bowie. Maybe he just missed them, so he invited them all to join him or her. We don't know if death has a gender. I've seen a lot of dames with bony hands, is all I'm saying. <laughs> We were struck in our own way by loss. Our betta fish that had been given to us as a wedding present went on to that great ocean in the sky. I guess betta live in oceans. It's definitely water, but fresh, so I don't know. If they hate other betas so much, how do they ever mate? You're supposed to keep them isolated from the others. Are all betta relationships like the lockhorns of Sunday comics fame? <laughs> I'm reminded of my favorite Lockhorn strip. It's seared into my memory. It is a single panel. Leroy Lockhorn is there in his green short-sleeved shirt and black trousers with matching black shoes, and they're just kind of, you know, floating in space, a kind of bluish-yellow in the background. So I think that makes it their living room area. Loretta is just kind of standing there, you know, with that sour expression of resignation, hands at her sides, <laughs> not quite making a fish, but it's close. <laughs> there is tension there. You get the sense that there always is. She has a short black dress with pink trim on the sleeves and collar. It's the one she usually has on if they're at home, so I guess it's probably a Saturday. They got plans later, but right now they're both just hanging in each other's orbit, and the text underneath, which is meant to be what Leroy is saying, is, they said we wouldn't last. Why didn't we listen? <laughs> I mean, their contempt for one another is what makes the question so endearing. So equally annoyed by each other, isn't that something to strive for? Two vile hearts swimming in a single panel beneath the hopeless romanticism of Prince Valiant, always trying to save people in Marmaduke, an idiot dog with a growth problem. Somewhere between those two poles, large slobbering dog and savior in a bad haircut, is probably where you want uh, to be with your sexual or romantic partner. This and other lessons are available in my new book, Everything I Learned, I Learned from the Sunday Funnies. <laughs> it includes my take on politics with a chapter on the ascent of the right wing and fake news, uh, which is clear if you've been reading the panels of B.C. and Mallard Fillmore. <laughs> in Mallard Fillmore's case, it's not just the right wing, but the left wing, because he's a duck. <laughs> I have fun. I do. I just have fun. Yes, our beta... Crystallinium lucum, or crystal light for short, uh, died peacefully, if at a heightened temperature. For me, it was emotional, as uh, my very first fish, Richie, passed in a, a very similar manner. You see, Richie was from the school fair. I won him, I did, by putting a little rod and a string into a small pile, uh, uh, pool. Um, it was made to look like a pond, <laughs> but it was just a plastic you know, pool that's kind of you'd have in the backyard. Uh, and this was uh, just there in the middle of the gymnasium floor at a fundraiser for the PTA. I spent a quarter or so to take a turn, and I won. And the man next to the pool, a volunteer parent, no doubt, handed me a clear plastic bag wrapped tightly with a twistum, and inside, bumping against the walls, was a goldfish, perfectly balanced where its scales between reflective gold and a brilliant orange. 
I named him Richie after Richie Rich, because I loved Richie Rich, and I really coveted his pooch named Dollar. Maybe if I had a goldfish named Richie, I'd be closer to my hero, this boy who had everything. Richie Rich was also Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons. It's the same character, basically, just another hero. <laughs> you know, these kids, they had it all. And now I had a goldfish. We bought a small glass bowl for Richie, and I knew that both Ricky and Richie coveted a views all rich people do and did. Uh, views of the sweeping backyard, views of the city. So I wanted Richie to have this view. I placed him on the windowsill that late spring day, and I pushed open the curtains as far as I could. I watched Richie swim around, admiring the view. Even at night, he could see the dogwood and the old stone wall. The driveway he would never visit because fish lack the ability to drive a car, but maybe someday Richie could dream. I could dream about him dreaming, and we'd both be rich driving cars side by side. Maybe the car that I was in would have a little car next to it that was attached, and we could drive around together, just always there for each other. The next day I went to school. When I came back, tossing my backpack aside, letting myself in, because I was a latchkey kid, my keychain had a Smurf playing tennis on it, and if you pulled the little yellow cord, he'd move that tennis racket back and forth real quick, like <laughs> making a louder-than-necessary noise with every little Smurf stroke. I ran over to look at Richie, to see him living his best life, the life I had wanted for him. But Richie was dead. You know when you see a dead thing, it vibrates at a dead frequency. Richie had cooked in the bright midday sunlight that shone in through the window. My hopes for him had killed him. My insistence that he dream of something he could never achieve boiled him from the inside and out. It's like Icarus, if Icarus was a fish, and someone put him in a fishbowl too close to the sun. There's so much to learn from ancient myths. A current myth I had to learn from was that this uh, crystallite was slow over the past few months because of temperature. That's what I was uh, being told. It was too cool in his tank, the young man at Pit Smart said. So I purchased an in-tank heater. Up until that point, I had tried easing Chris's swim bladder with an Epsom salt bath. I had tried new fish flakes made out of real fish, which as I'm saying, it sounds disgusting. Fish food made of fish for a fish to eat. Ugh, no, I should have known right then. I tried new rocks, new gravel, brightly colored gravel for the young uh, uh, fish. Switching the background I did from a picture of just me to a picture of the two of us together. Nothing worked. So I bought this heater. I plugged it in and submerged it and watched as the new thermometer I also purchased from this young man. It, let's just call it pet dumb. As it climbed, 70 degrees, 75 degrees, 80, 85, it stopped there. It was to have a manual shutoff at no more than 78. Was it too big for the tank, I asked ahead of time. No, of course not, he assured me. He had a fish and it was so slow until he cranked up the temp with his very same heater. I slept, hoping Chris would revive, be his old self. Now, betas are cranky, but beautiful. Like my first wife, if we'd gone too long without stopping at a Dairy Queen. I awoke that unseasonably warm December morning to find Chris was still stiff as a board listlessly being pulled and pushed by the motion of the filtration system. I recognized that death frequency immediately. I knew Chris had passed on to be with the great spirit. Or maybe death wanted a beta to go with his sweet new room. <laughs> Watch your lava lamps, kids, is what I'm saying. 
We'll miss you, Chris. I know that all things must end eventually, but last year did seem relentless in taking away of things that we cherish. I went on several nature walks when I got to Ohio, where we stayed at the home of our dear friends Silas and Kitty Watson. Kitty received a clean bill of health from the colon doctor, so we were all feeling a little better about things. She even made a special coconut cream pie for me as a celebratory gesture, and I ate it as a celebratory appreciation. (laughs) I tell you, I read some very interesting colon magazines in the waiting room. That must be a fun newsroom to be in. Imagine digital media strategist for colon and rectal health weekly. Pretty nice feather in your cap. Cap, I guess I guess where you'd put that. I went on uh, nature walks, as I was saying, and it's all dead out there. Or it looks that way. The trees have no leaves. Their bark sloughs off into the forest floor. The path I walk on goes right past a cemetery and then beyond to a town where the economy sputters and fits and starts and there are abandoned buildings that lie in the old creek there. But as I was walking, I saw bright red cardinals zipping back and forth, little brown and blue birds pulling red berries off of spindly vines with their yellow beaks and swallowing them whole. I saw a mighty butt with a full head of antlers, majestic, as it slowly disappeared back into the bramble and the briar. I thought about those trees, dead to us, but sustaining life in these cold months, storing energy in its core, in its trunk, waiting for a springtime release of warmth and fluids and brilliant light to coax green buds and flowers out to feed itself and others. The corpses rotting and decaying in wooden boxes in the cemetery, some for hundreds of years, devoured by beetles and fungus and worm things that creepy-crawl and make the soil more fertile for other things to grow, casting aside the formaldehyde and embalming fluids used to make the body presentable to the living ones. We who fill the small churches and funeral homes to pay our respects. In Sabina, Ohio, they lost a giant of the art of the funeral, a man who buried generations from that tiny town. Barth Littleton, whose warm smile put many grieving widows and orphans at ease, passed at his home on December the 22nd of this last year, another one gone on in 2016. I assume death was a fan of all funeral directors, so it makes sense, I guess. The Littleton funeral home was aglow with mourners, each sharing a fond memory of working with Barth during their times of need. Everyone was there, and again, we see, even in the company of death, we find life, we find renewal in friendships and common experiences. That doesn't make me feel any better about cooking that poor betta fish, but, you know, hope. Or whatever. So, yes, nature walks were fun. Galinda uh, ran a few energy workshops at the Kenwood Shopping Center. It's fun to visit malls in red states. Because, along with cell phone cases and hot tubs for sale at kiosks in the center corridor, uh, they also have the official U.S. Underground kiosk, where you can buy all sorts of fun, vaguely threatening camouflage shirts with rifles and skulls on them. Then you can try a dab of specialty European lotion at the next kiosk as you walk away thinking that maybe the underground one shouldn't be in a mall. <laughs> I'm like, what's even happening to this country? But then you find yourself at the anti-ans and all is right in the world. Pretzel bites are white privilege. Have you been in a Spencer Gifts recently? The answer is it doesn't matter. It has all the same stuff. <laughs> Literally nothing has changed. Maybe a few less Bart Simpson gags. But the rest is all there. Remember when that store was scandalous? You know, I still blush when I go in. I do. 
But uh, when you have to flip through endless sexy Harley Quinn shirts to find one in your size, it's embarrassing a little. <laughs> we got a few great gifts for our white elephant exchange. So it was definitely worth it. But that store uh, should come with a hose, <laughs> you know, so you can kind of wash off afterwards. Uh, you just feel icky. You don't smell great. And now uh, I know what you're thinking, but Hot Topic is different. Hot Topic is decidedly less sexual. Hot Topic is like for your nerdy virgin friends who quote Sheldon Cooper without you knowing it. <laughs> Spencer Gifts is your second cousin who has a giant TV but lives in a really small apartment with no other furniture other than a coffee table he made from milk crates and a very expensive dresser he inherited from his great-grandmother and now... Uh, has a collection of vape paraphernalia scattered on its top, along with a half-eaten cliff bar and an open pack of Hanes undershirts purchased in the wrong size. The White Elephant Exchange is great, because in addition to the hundred or so dollars that you've already spent on gifts for people, you get to spend another 30 on things that no one wants and then have someone you didn't intend end up with it. It's just a win all the way around. Really, in our case, I told Galinda the maximum was $10 for the gift, but she bought a $100 silk chemise embroidered with the Celtic goddess of healing plants animate on the back. Well, a lot of good that's going to do Silas's sister, Shirley, who works at the DHL call center. She did love it and uh, jokingly offered that maybe it would help with her sleep apnea if she wore it over her flannel snowman pajamas. You can imagine that Galinda was beside herself the rest of the trip inconsolable that she ended up with six beef sticks from Hickory Farms, but I wonder that it's bad news to try and buy a gift uh, for yourself and then try to keep it at the white elephant. White elephants in nature are notoriously fickle and known for stealing. She did not appreciate the tiny white elephant figure I got replaced by her quart sleeping mask. <laughs> well, that's another ten bucks I'm out. I did get to go to some of my favorite places in Ohio, in addition to the shopping center and the funeral and the gift exchange and steely silence I enjoyed over a plate full of getta and eggs. I paid a visit to Kitty's booth at the Caesar Creek Flea Market, and of course I was able to get up and do a set, which is so important to do. The folks there love comedy, they love having a good time, and I tell you, they may have been a little put off on my tarot reading, which admittedly, it's a creaky bit. <laughs> that I think at this point only I like. But when I did 20 minutes on how headphone uh, our headphone cleanliness, <laughs> I want them back. I mean, this hell spawn knows how to work a crowd. I signed a few autographs after the set and came down with a fresh um, uh, Pepsi from the fountain and had a nice visit with Bruce Banley, who runs the Rare Rock booth. He had a nice Icelandic spar and a slanted cube formation that was a knockout and a steal for just $12. That little rock is going to activate all my chakras, folks. <laughs> I love that little flea market. Not only because I can buy a brand new ladies' wig and a four-wheel ATV in one aisle, but because of management's commitment to quality entertainment. I've never left that place unsatisfied by the caliber of talent I see whenever I drop into the food court. Jerry Ashbury and Chris Coverman make up the soulful duo Providence Road. And uh, if I see them on the online calendar, I hightail it over to the food court and get a front row seat. Beautiful harmonies, great strumming are what you get with these two. And I had to get some cash out of the ATM, which thank goddess was located right there in the food court. So as they played, I could get my money out and I, I watched the pretzel machine just slowly rotate full of handsome brown pretzels twisted perfectly as Jerry and Chris belted out, I only have eyes for you. It was a spiritual moment for me, to be sure. 
They also have a lot to say about getting God's word out to the audience. Well, I think I heard God loud and clear, and he was saying, buy a pretzel, gosh darn it. So I did. <laughs> I treated Chris and Jerry to one, too, because isn't that what fellowship is all about? So many pretzels on my trip. So many great, great pretzels. What else did I find at the flea market? Well, I picked up a matching set of Liberty Bell salt and pepper shakers, three vintage comic books dealing with the supernatural, and a sweatshirt that has a fuzzy-haired character, kind of, a, I don't know, an elf or a troll, <laughs> I don't know, and the words simply irresistible underneath. We're going to have some fun with that one. It's funny because it's true. I think all sweatshirts are true. Our sweat selves are our true selves. Flea markets are a kind of death, aren't they? The same kind of thing I was talking about. It's an endless wake for the stuff we've left behind. You die and your stuff ends up at a flea market. So named because of the original markets in France in the late 1880s that were riddled with winged parasites that camped out in secondhand furniture and linens and rugs. Life never leaves is the point, I guess. These things, the things we move from place to place and store and treasure and worry over, they end up on a folding table until they get picked up and someone asks, you do any better on these? <laughs> who had the salt and pepper shakers? I now possess before, before me who owned them. Someone who loved liberty, a person who moved away from Philadelphia years ago to pursue a career or maybe a lover. Were they a joke gift stolen at a white elephant exchange? Or maybe it was a sincere purchase like my sweatshirt. The stories of a life swirl like bacteria breaking down a body or eating away at a fallen leaf. That which was lost in 2016 can serve as our own fuel of death in 2017. Let's take these stories of things and breaking down critters and let them enrich our personal soil. I love talking about human soil, don't you? That reminds uh, me that I went to see the popular movie Rogue One a Star Wars story over the break. Sometimes you just have had enough of fractals and vintage Buddhist practices on video cassettes. You need to engage with your inner pop culture fanatic. <laughs> I will say this. If you're looking to forget a year full of death, Rogue One ain't going to do it for you. Everyone dies, which I guess we know going in because who ever heard of any of these characters before, but oh, wee-haw, <laughs> it's a death palooza. No wonder it's the biggest movie of 2016. No one makes it out of that mesh, all right? Spoiler alerts, but I mean, Vader, okay, he makes it, but he cracks a joke, which made me die a little inside. Not known for a sense of humor, our little Anakin Skywalker. But there was something funny that did happen, genuinely funny that happened in the tiny theater there in Ohio where we saw the film. Silas, his nephew Giuseppe, and myself were all out for a fellas' night at the movies, well, after a jumbo cherry Coke, I had to dash to the men's room and make sure I transferred a data file, if you know what I mean. I walked in, and uh, against the wall were two of the most comically close-together urinals I have ever seen. When I say these were close, I mean I stood there once a spot opened up, and there was just two of them, and my arm was touching the older gentleman's arm next to me. He let out something like, close quarters, and I, not really one to love talking at the urinal, I gave him a little laugh in response, but I had my winter coat on, which is long, and I was trying not to let it get too far into the urinal trough itself while trying to also angle uh, to avoid as much contact with my stallmate and also not look anywhere that I ought not to look, but I had to 
look down to check my coat, and at a certain point, are you ever tempted to just laugh when you shouldn't? I caught the giggles in that restroom, and I could not stop. It happened to me once before at a fancy Broadway restroom, and everyone was crammed in there between the acts, and someone let out a hilariously pitched toot. And I just lost it. I mean, not to be too basic here, but a good toot is going to get you. <laughs> and something about being this close to the other guy and being crammed in there, and really, people are going through greater hardships, but it always just so funny to me. I nearly collapsed with laughter. And the other guys started laughing, and I could hear guys in the closed stalls chuckling. It was a real giggle fest among those country gentlemen in the movie theater. Even in death there is life. Ah, uh, well, there you have it, don't you? Did I make anyone's list of best or hottest or under something this year? No. Will I ever? I doubt it. And yet I go on, gnawing at the edges of recognition. Did you make any resolutions this year? I did. More healing. I'm going to get someone to work on my behalf to see what else can happen, and maybe I'll resolve not to admire rich kids who have it all, but rather focus on the fortunate people I crowd in close to at the public restroom, able to have a laugh while striving for something more. The hunt is where it's at anyway, isn't it? 2017 is the year of the hunt for me, staying in, not giving up, laughing uncontrollably when necessary, maybe buying sweatshirts. So let's put 2016 and the death parade in our rearview mirrors, get out a puzzle or something to work on. Let's have a wonderful 2017. I will be heading out to San Francisco for our now annual trip to SF Sketchfest with a big show on Saturday, January 21st at 4.30 p.m. Here's the deal. In the true spirit of booking things in 2016, I was given the choice of what date to have this year. And I, I asked this time, you know, four times there, I said, listen, it would be great to not do a Tuesday. Nothing against Tuesday shows. We've done Tuesday shows in the past. It's just hard for me when I go out there to see other things. And with uh, the other group that performs with us, that makes for a long night. So I said I love a weekend. They said, which one? And I picked the middle. I also uh, fill up my car with 89 gasoline. That's the one in the middle, because I don't want to look cheap. But I also want to feel like I'm treating my car well. So I picked uh, right there, smack in the middle, January 21st, not really thinking that the day after Inauguration Day would be any kind of problem. I honestly thought, well, celebrations might be a problem, but instead it's the protests that are going to be our conflict. So it is that our show this year is scheduled for the exact same time as the Women's March in SF against the incoming administration. Yes, it is. Uh, am I going to let that get me down? No. And in response, we have a very uh, future-forward discussion plan for that day. And uh, the future is female, so there's a lot of great women on the bill. Uh, it's going to be our own protest march into the history books, and I hope that you'll join us. My guest will be the fantastic uh, comedian Jenny Zagrino, the amazing Allie Gertz, uh, the brilliant uh, Philip Ross, uh, innovator and artist. He's got so much to tell us about how we're going to survive using only fungus and, and uh, uh, mushrooms. Uh, uh, we're going to have live music. I don't know if those two are the same thing. That's why I'm hesitating. <laughs> I don't want to, but we're going to find out. We're going to have music from Lisa Mezzacappa. Oh, she's terrific. And maybe a few other surprises. So if you're in San Francisco or you're going to be near there, come by. Piano Fight, Mid-Market SF. Let's have a great show there. It's free, so, you know, come on. And then the other dates, which we don't have to get into it. 
we don't have to go through this. It's just venues are always constantly moving stuff around. So what are you going to do? But that means that there's no New York show this month. Uh, instead, we will return to the Slipper Room on Wednesday, February 22nd with Michelle Buteau, Vinnie DePonto, Sandy Honig, and more. Uh, tickets for that will be on sale soon. Uh, so that will do it for us this week in the deep night. You're free to return now to your shallow afternoons or empty mornings. I do hope to see you at a live show. Till then, we have a number of great interviews lined up in the coming weeks. And friends, I urge you to remember that though this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Here's to a happy and healthy new year. Deep Night is written and performed by James Bewley with production assistance from Harvest Works in New York City. Music throughout each episode is provided by the amazing talents on the artistic roster of Howler Hills Farm in the great state of Ohio. Deep Night theme by Zach Gabbard, Season 9 podcast icon and logo designed by Samantha Mash. Download episodes directly through daleradio.com or subscribe and review the show on iTunes. Also available on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Follow Dale on Twitter at Dale Radio or Instagram at Dale Seaver for behind-the-scenes peeks into the production of the show and the life of Dale Seaver. Thank you to all the subscribers and supporters of this program, and thanks to you for listening.